Welcome to the perfect place for imperfect people. This is the Local Church Podcast, and we hope this message both challenges and encourages you. Here's today's message. Welcome, church familia. I'm so grateful that we get to be in his presence today, that we get to hear his word that will leave us transformed. He's such a good God, and today he wants to bring hope and freedom in this place. Today we're continuing, actually concluding our series, Dollars and Cents. And the great theologian, Biggie Smalls, once rightly said, Mo money. You guys are theologians, all right. Mo money, mo problems. And, and that's so true in so many of our lives. Because money is one of the greatest reasons of anxiety here in this country. It's the second greatest reason why married couples get divorced in this country. It's one of the primary reasons why people stay in jobs that they hate. When we don't have money, we're anxious, we're worried. When we get our hands on some money, now we're distant and we treat people a little bit differently. And we find so much of our self-worth in our net worth, but I wanna let you know that today, God wants to set us free, amen? He wants to set us free from this anxiety that comes alongside our finances. So here's what he says in Matthew 6, 25. Jesus says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then in verse 33, Jesus says this. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness And all of these things, what things? All of these things, these things that we believe that we need will be added to us. America, I'm one of the pastors here. In the past three weeks, we've been in this series called Dollars and Cents, where we've been looking at God's word to try to make some sense out of our money. And and I've heard from a lot of you, you've sent us a lot of messages, how many of you are so grateful that we're talking about money in a common sense sort of way here at church Many of you, you've, you've taken the challenge to stop thinking about your resources just as today and just for me, but to think about legacy and leaving that for the future. Many of you, you've taken the first step in what it means to break free from debt, and God is setting people free. Today, he wants to continue that. So as we conclude this series, Dollars and Cents, today I want to talk about the most important principle when it comes to stewardship. Again, this is a year of stewardship. Everything we're talking about is so we can take what God has given us, whether it's a little or it's a lot, and we faithfully work at believing that when we do, he will add all things unto us, that he will give us all that we need to do all that he's called us to do. And so the greatest principle of stewardship is what I want to talk about today, and it's what we just read. That if we put our priority, if we seek first the things of God his kingdom, who he is, then everything else that we need in this life, he will add unto us. This is the greatest principle of stewardship. When we seek him first in his ways and his will and his presence, we don't have to worry about anything else. Last week, we ended in Luke chapter 12 and verse 21. We learned about this rich guy who Jesus said was foolish And his sin wasn't that he had money. His sin was what he did with his money, how he worshiped his money, how he hoarded it. It was all for himself and not for other people. And Jesus said that those who are rich toward themselves and not toward God are foolish, just like this guy. And I know we don't want to be foolish today, amen? Amen. 
We want to be set free. We want to be wise with what God has given us. Jesus says that those of us who are rich unto ourselves, that we are foolish like this rich man. And so the question that I want us to continue to consider today is this. Is wealth our God or a gift from God? A lot of us, we would say that God is our God, but if we look at our trail, if we look at our practices, we would see that our trail leads to another God. Is our wealth our God? Because if our wealth is our God, then it's gonna lead us. Or is our wealth a gift from God? And if it's a gift from God, we're gonna give it away. We're gonna give it away. I wanna continue on. The next verse from where we stopped last week, Luke 12, verse 22. Jesus just continues to, to talk about stewardship and he calls this man foolish and he, he sets this idea of contentment and not covening. And then he says this, he starts talking about fear. And he said to his disciples, verse 22, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. Say anxious. A lot of people in this country are anxious. Anxiety is the number one disorder in our country. He says, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Now again, I want you to understand that Jesus, what we just read, Jesus is saying this another time. There are not many things that Jesus shared twice in, in, in the scriptures. And so we have to understand that this is a priority, that this is important. He says, don't be anxious for life is more than food. The body is more than clothing. Verse 24, he says, consider the ravens. He makes it very practical. They neither sow nor reap. They don't work yet. Neither of them have storehouse nor barn. Yet God feeds them. Consider the birds that fly around and that get in your way of how much more value are you than the birds. Verse 25, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to a span of life? We can't. We can't add any part of our life anymore to our life by worrying about our life. In fact, Mayo Clinic says we can actually do the opposite. We can actually take away moments and minutes from our life by stress, by anxiety. Verse 26, if then you are not able to do a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Saying, don't worry. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. They don't work. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like one of these but if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow's thrown to the oven, how much more will he clothe you, take care of you, provide for you, O you of little faith, verse 29, and do not seek, say seek. This means to orient your life, your priorities, your understanding, your attention. Do not seek what you are to eat and what are you to drink. Don't let your life be consumed about them. Do not be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things and your father, he knows he knows that you need them. Verse 31. Instead, seek. Make your priority. Fix your attention to, your attitudes, your thought, your desires. Seek his kingdom. And all of these things will be added to you. This is the greatest principle of stewardship. But then he says this, verse 32. Fear not. Listen to this language. Fear not, little flock. Fear not, my precious. Fear not, my children. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Turn to your neighbor, tell him, fear not. This is the most recited commandment in all of the Bible. Some scholars believe that it says some 366 times for us to fear not. One for every day of the year, and it accounts for leap year. Fear not. 
But yet a lot of us, we fear. Some of us, we fear something. Some of us, we fear a lot of things. But Jesus is telling us not to fear. And you need to understand when Jesus tells us not to fear, he's not just saying this as someone devoid of understanding. Jesus understands. Jesus, he knows what it's like to be tortured. He knows what it's like to experience death. Jesus understands our dilemma. He understands what it means to be betrayed by people you love, by your family thinking that you are crazy, by the people that you depend on, not being there when you need them the most. He said, disciples, will you pray with me? And they all fell asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows what it's like to have someone that you love that's constantly sabotaging their life, who steals from you, who backstabs you. He knows what it's like to be single and alone. And right now he's homeless and he's broke and he's headed toward the cross. I'm so grateful that we have a God who understands us, who came and lived this life and experienced everything that we have gone through, yet he did not sin to offer us a way through it. Fear not. He tells us the remedy, the solution to anxiety when it comes to our finances. You want to know what it is? Yes? No? You want to know how to be set free, the solution to being anxious about what you have and what you will wear? Here it is. Verse 33. Sell your possessions. And give to the needy. Provide yourselves money bags that don't grow old. He's talking about eternal things with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. It will not falter. It doesn't matter the value of the dollar or cryptocurrencies. It will always remain the same. Where no thief approaches, where no moth destroys. Verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And some of you, you're like, are you kidding me? He starts talking about my stuff. Give my stuff away? What does my stuff have to do with my stress? It just seems like one of those sermons where the church is trying to take more of my stuff. It's not. Jesus is not trying to take your stuff. Jesus is trying to take away your stress. I mean, think about what he was talking about. He said the ravens, the lilies, they are so common, yet God takes care of them. How much more value is your life? We worry about how we're going to make ends meet. We worry about how we're going to provide for our families and, and what we're going to leave for our futures. And Jesus says, don't, don't be fearful about that. Be faithful. It's in my hands. Everything that is common, I take care of it. You are more than common. You are my beloved. So trust me. Trust my promises. Surrender to me. Here's a big idea I want us to get. Fear can be overcome by being faithful to what our Heavenly Father asks of us. Fear, anxiety over our resources, it can be overcome by being faithful to what our Heavenly Father asks of us. When we are intentional about being faithful to his ways, to his righteousness, to his kingdom, to his prayers, when we are intentional in that, we see his faithfulness because we are walking in his presence and our eyes are opened up and our hearts are attuned to who he is, 
Not on ourselves, not on our selfishness, not on what's it mean for me, but on him and his kingdom and the people that he loves. We get to be a part of his presence, of of his power, of his promises. He's saying, "Don't, don't be afraid. We have a king who's our father. Forget Bill Gates. Forget Elon Musk. Our father holds everything in his hands. Do you believe that? How much more will he take care of you? So he says, because I'm a king who holds everything, who controls everything, who's for you, will you trust me? Will you seek first my kingdom and my priorities? How do we do that? Verse 34. For where your treasure is, for where your generosity, your resources, your money is, there your heart will be also. Billy Graham once said that a checkbook is like a theological document. He says, tell me what you think about money and I will tell you what you think about God. For these two are closely related. A man's heart is closer to his wallet than anything else. Our money is given to what is our priority. If we follow our checkbook and our credit card statements, we will see what is our priority. Wherever that goes to is what is important to us or what is our priority. Our, our life follows our money. And where does our money go? Odds are it goes to what we fear. We want security, so it goes to our home. We want comfort, so it goes to entertainment. We want status, so it goes to our possession. We want approval, so it goes to clothing. We want relationships, so it goes to gifts. And, and like this rich man in Luke chapter 12, we spend so much of our time building bigger barns, but we miss the bigger picture of what God is trying to teach us. And we build our kingdoms, and every single one of us at some point will find that our castles are made of sand, and they will collapse, and they will fail. But when we seek first his kingdom, it lasts forever. It's eternal. It's supernatural. There's no fear in his kingdom. There's no moth that destroys. There's no robber who steals. It's eternal. So where is our heart? Is it on things here on earth that will fail us? Is it on things that that make us feel good for a moment or a season or some years? Or is it in something eternal, significant, and bigger than ourselves. Where is our heart? It's where our treasure is. So I wanna make this clear. What Jesus is saying is, if you wanna seek my kingdom first, this is what he's saying, not what I'm saying. If you wanna seek his kingdom first, he says, give. Give. For God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave. 
He gave out of love. He gave his one and only son. He gave the most important thing. And when we do that, when we fix our attention on his priorities and his purposes and his kingdom, it begins to reorient our lives and our eyes and our heart. And all of a sudden, we don't start seeing things just for what it means for us. We start seeing things in a supernatural, significant, and eternal way when we intentionally fix our eyes and and give generously to the mission of God, it changes us from the inside out. It, It enables us to intentionally connect with a God who loves people. Here's the second big idea I want you to understand. One of the personal ways that our Heavenly Father feeds and clothes people is through the giving of his son's and daughters. One of the ways that God shows that people matter to him is how they matter to us through the giving of his sons and daughters, through the generosity of his church. God uses us to be part of his purposes, to be part of his plan and his mission to love and to reach people. And again, when we fix our attention towards that, it transforms us. Spiritually, what it does is it takes our attention off of ourselves, off of our kingdoms, off of what I can do for me, and onto people that God loves. But emotionally, you know what it does? It sets us free. It sets us free. It helps us to see that this is bigger than ourselves. And all of our fears and anxieties, when we seek his kingdom first, they begin to lose their power over our lives. Some of us, we have some significant fears about how we're going to make it financially. I'm telling you, the power, the power will break over your life when you seek his kingdom first. What giving says is, God, I trust you. The thing that I think will give me peace, my money, I'm giving to you because you are the prince of peace and because you are for me and you are walking with me. And when we trust in him, all the things that we once feared begin to lose their power. I want you to think about it. Again, let's make this practical. He is a heavenly father who loves you. He knows everything that you need. He's watching carefully. His heart is toward you. We have a father who is a king, who owns everything. How much more is the value of your life than something as insignificant as a flower in the fields? Saying, will you trust, will you trust me? Will you surrender to me? Will you give back in faith part of what I entrusted to you? Now, I want, I want to stop right there, and I want to make this very clear, because I know a lot of you are hearing, but some of us are having a hard time listening because it's about money. We're like, oh, man, I hate when the church talks about money. I thought this wasn't that. This is not that. I want you to understand this. This has nothing to do with salvation. This has nothing to do with belonging. If you don't give back to God, it doesn't mean that you are less than. It doesn't mean that you are not loved. Like we talked about a few weeks ago in in Malachi. It doesn't mean that, that, that you are cursed by God, that you are going to hell. See, that... 
that rebuke was for the people of God and the, the priests of God, people like me, or are we in the church leadership taking the generosity of the people of God and, and using it for the purposes of God or using it to build our own kingdom? So you may not be cursed by God, you may not be robbing God, but you're robbing yourself. You're robbing yourself of the greater promise. You're robbing yourself of, of the greater purpose that God has for your life, of you being a part of something bigger than yourself, of you being part of his purpose to love people. Let's go back to, to week one, Malachi 3.10. Jesus, he, he communicates this truth about stewardship and he brings it back to, to Malachi where it says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, says God. And thereby, and this is the only time in all of scripture, God says this, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. It's not to prove that I am God, it's to prove that you have faith in who I am, that you're trusting in what I say, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open up the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. And I will rebuke the devourer for you so that, there, uh, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine and the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord. This entire rebuke was for the priests and the people of that time who weren't following the commandment of the law. But here we are and we have Jesus and we have grace and we have a greater promise inside and laden in this rebuke. He says, test me. I want you to see how good of a God I am. I want you to know how loving of a father I am. Will you trust me with what I provided for you? Will you give back to me? Because if you do, if you trust me, if you seek first what is important to me, people, then I'll give you everything you need so you can be a blessing. You need to understand that all throughout Scripture, God blesses us to be a blessing. This isn't for bigger barns and bigger storehouses and Bentleys and vacation homes. This is so we can be a blessing, so we can be part of his plan and purpose of reaching, hurting people across this globe. And this is something bigger than ourselves. Listen, that has nothing to do with salvation. It has nothing to do with you belonging. And I want you to hear this as well. This has nothing to do with us trying to get more. We don't give to God to get more money. We don't give to God because we want more things. See, there, there's a lot of us in this church familia who you understand what I'm talking about. You understand the blessing of God, of giving back to him, of trusting him with what he has given to you and you've seen him provide. You've seen him meet your every single need even if you didn't know how you're gonna meet your needs, God has provided. And we have not been able to outgive him no matter how hard we try. But you need to understand that this is not about giving to get. 
In Malachi chapter 3, a lot of people start in verse 6. A lot of churches and and pastors like myself, we start in verse 6 where it talks about resources. But in verse 5, if we just go one verse back, Jesus, his word says something very, very interesting. Malachi 3 verse 5, God says this. He says, then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against who? The sorcerers. He says, I'm going to judge some things that need to be taken care of. First thing on the list is sorcery. And then he goes in verse 6 into resources and gives this rebuke and this invitation to come back into his presence, to experience who he is. But what does sorcery have to do with resources? Here's what sorcery is. It's trying to control God. And common sense is that he's God. We can't control him. We can't force him. We can't find a formula to try to get God to give us what we want. He's saying, I'm God. I do not change. I've had it with sorcery. You don't control me. I never change. And so I'm going to judge sorcery. I'm going to take care of this problem of trying to control me, of trying to manipulate me. This is not... We give to get. This is not I'm giving to get more money. If you've come today and try try to find a way how you can be rich off of God's, he's saying that's sorcery. You can't do it. But he says, but there's an invitation to come back, to experience my goodness, to experience my provision, to experience an overflow of my blessing so that you will have everything you need to do everything that I've created you to do. So many of us in this place who give generously of their tithes and offerings, you know what I'm talking about. You understand his provision. You understand his protection. You understand his goodness. But it's not about getting more. And I can confidently say that God does bless financially. Because money is needed in this world to do things in this world. But can I tell you, it's far more than finances. It's peace. It's joy in our hearts. It's a sense of purpose that I get to be a part of something greater than myself. I get to be a part of helping people meet this God who loves them. I want you to write this next big idea down. God will use what we give to do what we can't do. God will use what we give to do what we can't do. So many of us, we want to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And God says, if you give to me, you get to be a part of that. Again, There are so many people here in this place and at home who understand this and who give so generously and you get to be a part of what God is doing, not just in this church, but in his kingdom. And this is who we are as a church. This is who we are as a people. We are a generous people. We are not a rich church, but we are a blessed church because the people of God understand that this is bigger than ourselves. And so I wanna give you an update. We're we're almost six months into 2021. How crazy is that? But God has allowed us to be a part of something supernatural, something significant. So I want to give you an update on your dollars and and where they're going here as a church community of faith. 
In the past six months, this is what your giving has done. We've been able to feed, in the past six months, 3,450 families with about $154,500 worth of groceries. We're loving, we're serving people here in our local community. Last week, we gave $2,500 to four kids in honor of dads. On Mother's Day, we gave $2,500 to Hope Women's Center in honor of moms. We gave $1,000 at the end of the school year for West Hollywood Elementary, an elementary school in a segment of our community where the majority of kids live at or underneath the poverty line, and we got to help bless them. We've given $4,686 in benevolence needs right here in this community of faith. We've given $3,765 in church planning support to to like-minded churches around this community and in this country. We've given $3,300 for city serve projects, not to bless this church, but to bless our community that we're in. We've given $4,950 in counseling because we don't outsource it. People matter to God and they matter to us and their mental health matters. And so we wanna provide a place where you can get free counseling, almost $5,000 to help reach people where they're at. And next Sunday, one of my good friends, he's gonna come and he's gonna communicate on the 4th of July. And his ministry is, is our first global missions partner. We're a local church that loves and serves our local community. But I'm excited for this new partnership that we have to bring the good news and cold water to the ends of the earth. And we've given $12,675 to global missions as a church community. And if you remember, a few weeks ago, as we started Dollars and Cents, we talked about change for a dollar. On your way out, there's this simple simple little box there. If you just drop a dollar in there, if every single one of us dropped a dollar, how much change could we see in our local community? Here's what we said. We said at the end of every month, we're gonna find a need, we're gonna meet a need. And we found a need. There's someone in our church family who's spent her life serving her community, of taking care of people who need help, of loving and teaching children as an educator. And she had to retire early due to some heart problems, and she found herself on a fixed income, and recently she got herself into a little trouble. She, she, she got in an accident, and so now she's, she's looking to make ends meet with all these extra hospital bills and medical bills and medicine bills, and someone who has spent her entire life loving people, helping people in need, we learn of her need, and because of your generosity through Change for a Dollar, we gave her this past week $1,000.36 to, to help her with, with medical bills, with hospital visits, with a lot of things that are going on in their life. This is what we get to do. This is who God's called us to be. And we're gonna continue to be generous. We're gonna continue to love and serve. In fact, this past week, we all have heard of another significant need in our local community. There's still over 150 people who have not been found because of the Surfside building collapse. Hundreds of families displaced. And so we're coming together with dozens of churches in the Tri-County area. And every dollar that is given to change for a dollar today is gonna go directly to helping those people have the supplies they need to get back on their feet. This, this is why we do what we do. And can I tell you, it helps set us free. 
and helps take our eyes off of ourself and onto a greater purpose. Jesus, in all his wisdom and all his genius, he gave us a way to be set free from coveting, to be set free from discontent, to set us free from selfishness, but also fix our eyes on the mission and purpose of God to, to be transformed ourselves and to be part of him helping people here on earth. And so here's a final big idea that I pray resonates with your soul as we conclude this series, Dollars and Cents. Generosity is the key to our shackles of greed. You want to be set free. You, you want to stop having this heart of, man, what can I have? What can I, and I'm just spending and, and wasting all of this on myself. I'm rich toward myself, and I'm not part of what God is doing. Generosity is the key to our shackles of greed, and it gives us the opportunity to be part of the kingdom that God is growing. Generosity, your generous giving sends a statement to Satan and to people around that this is not about myself, that this is not about selfishness, that I get to be part of what God is doing. My eyes get to be open to the need. I get to see what's happening and I get to be a part of it. And it transforms us. And it changes our thinking and it changes our excitement level because we get to be a part of what God is doing. God sets us free from, through our generosity and it helps us to be part of what God is doing in reaching people. I just want you to imagine for just a few moments of, of what would happen if, if everyone who called themselves a follower of Jesus really understood this principle. Do you know that the solution is bigger than the problem. Here in Broward County, did you know that there are more churches than there are homeless people? Not people in churches. There are more churches than there are homeless people. There are more churches than there are orphans in Broward County. That if everyone who called himself a follower of Jesus just gave $14 a year, and every church loved and served and fed their local community. Do you understand that the problem of world hunger would cease to be a problem? The solution is far greater than the problem. The church is the hope of the world. We can bring change. We can bring help. We can bring hope. And it starts with our heart. It starts with our heart today. I want to read this final passage as we conclude this series and as we look toward a, a summer full of excitement and a fall full of revival. But as we talk about financial stewardship, I want you to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say. What he wants to speak to you today. Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, for, for those who don't have a relationship with this God of love, they seek all of these things. And your heavenly father, he sees, he knows, he's carefully concerned with all of your cares. He knows that you need them, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things. Things, all the things that we need will be added unto us. I hope you know 
that we are not a church who guilts people, that we're not a church that twists people's arms. That's what this whole series has been about. This is not that. It's not to try to convince you to give. It's not trying to guilt you into to, to giving of your dollars and your cents. See, because we just believe that everything belongs to the Lord and he's for us and he's with us. And so we're gonna faithfully steward what he's entrusted us with, whether that's a little or whether that's a lot, whether that's in the season of surplus or the season that we found ourselves in of COVID and post-COVID, people hurting and struggling. Because we just believe if we faithfully steward what God has given us, that he's gonna entrust us with more, more opportunities to point people to Jesus, more opportunities to meet the needs that are found in our local community, more opportunities to connect people to Jesus and one another. So it has nothing to do with how much you give, but it has everything to do with your heart. So today as we conclude, here's what I'm asking you, and this is what we always ask you. What's God teaching you? And what are you gonna do about it? For some of you, he's spoken loud and clear and placed some things in your heart that may take a step of faith. For some of you, he's spoken loud and clear and you feel comfortable and you're so grateful to be part of this. But whatever he's putting on your hearts, if you are faithful to do what he's asked you to do, I'm telling you, that's the greatest place you can be. To experience his presence and his provision, his purpose over your life when you're faithful to what he's asked you to do. So I, I wanna ask us that question. What's God teaching you? And more importantly, what are you going to do about it? And I just encourage you to begin doing that today. It begins with our hearts. And for some of you here today, even before we ask, God, what do you want me to give of my life? He's asking you, will you give your life? Some of you, you're here today, maybe as a guest, maybe it's your first time, maybe you've been coming for some time and the generosity of God just blows your mind how he loves you, how he so loves you that he gave his one and only son out of love for you so that you could be set free, so that you could have eternal life. And today is a day for you to surrender your life to him. Today is a day for you to come into relationship with him. So if you're here today or, or at home online, I, I wanna introduce you and invite you into a relationship with the God of all creation who loves you, who's for you, who's with us right now wherever we're at and who invites us to come back to him. Listen, with every eye closed and every head bowed, a prayer doesn't save us. Prayer is simply communication and a relationship with God. But I know that there's some people here today joining those from the last service who today's a day for you to surrender all of your life to him. I want to give you the opportunity to do that. It's as simple as repenting, believing, and receiving. To repent means to change your thinking. That leads to a change of action. Change your thinking about who you are. You are not less than. You are not unworthy. You are loved. To change your thinking about who Jesus is. He's not a fictional character. He's not a malevolent God who's out to get you. He's a loving friend and father who invites you into relationship. To change your thinking about sin. Yes, it separates us, but we can be forgiven of our sin if we surrender our life to Jesus and that you would believe that for yourself and you would receive that for yourself. And if that's you today, 
I just want to encourage you to communicate this to God. And for those of us who have a relationship with him, we're going to continue to pray. We're going to pray for you as you surrender your life to Jesus today and experience the greatest relationship that you will ever have in this life and for eternity. If that's you, would you pray this with me in your heart and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I'm imperfect. and I've tried to live life on my own, by my own strength. And today I realize I can't do that. I need a savior. And you are my savior. You are the son of God who loves me, who came and lived and died for me. And you exchanged my imperfections and sin for your love, your grace and mercy. And I receive that today for myself. Help me to to understand that nothing will ever be able to separate me from your love right now. Help me as best as I can to commit all of myself to you, knowing that as I seek first your kingdom, you will lead me, you will guide me, you will grow me, and you will turn me into all that you've called me to be, no matter who I used to be. I receive that promise today. I believe that I'm a child of God and a friend forever, and I believe that I'm yours. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, we want to celebrate with you. If you just do me this favor, if that was you today, would you just look up and look at me? I want to celebrate you. Man, you are a new creation. You are so loved by him. You are forgiven today. You are a new creation in Christ. You are forever changed. He loves you. And today is the beginning of your forever. Thank you for listening to The Local Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and review and share what you learned today. You can connect with us at thelocalchurch.com or by searching The Local Church on your favorite social media platforms. We hope you join us next week for a brand new episode. And remember, you matter to God and you matter to us.